All right, y'all, welcome back to the Good News Cast. Great to have you listening. Jeff and I have been talking for the last, it's been anything from 10 minutes to 75 minutes. I have no idea. And I was just thinking before we hit record, what if we just hit record? While we were talking? I'm envious of people who do podcasts that can just hit record and kind of just talk. Yeah. Because I'm like, the things that we just covered. Yeah. You know, like if we hit record and just started talking, I feel like everyone would be like, what, what are, is that? yeah, what's going on inside your brain? Yeah. I know. Um, all right. Here's what we're going to do on this episode. We are, t- we are finishing up demons on the last episode. Um, Jeff mainly talked uh, uh, a lot about demons, traditional f- uh, views about um, essentially what are demons, where they come from, yeah. particularly fallen angels. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is do wrap up part two right now. Talk the third fall. Yeah. Um, and then, and then move into kind of practical. Why is this helpful? I jotted down a couple notes of why this is helpful for us as Christians to know and understand. So, um, that's what we're going to do today. And then next week we'll probably get into angels. We'll see if that's a part one, part two thing, who knows? And then maybe what I would kind of like to do is even do one episode focusing on just really the invisible realm in general. Um, and yeah, just the invisible realm in general, kind of what the Bible says about this invisible war happening, how we wrestle not with flesh and blood and things like that. So uh, I think that's what we're going to do. So uh, I'll throw it to you, Jeff, to yeah, so we're finish up. Third cosmic rebellion. First was in the garden with the original rebel, rebeller, uh, the Satan, the serpent. Uh, the second is uh, the second creation after, well, actually, yeah, second, right be. Yeah, right after the flood, uh, no, right before the flood, um, where we had uh, the Nephilim. We talked a little bit about the Nephilim, and we had uh, angels uh, leave uh, their realm uh, to become uh, desire to be like God and create their own offspring. And uh, this is again the traditional view. You got to take a look at Genesis six one through four, and and uh, and also in Jude and First Peter, Second Peter, and all seem to be describing the same thing. Uh, and then the third and final uh, is the Tower of Babel, which is after the flood. Um, and so you have the second creation, you have uh, a new humanity, um, and then you have another transgression. You have uh, this tower that's being built, God judging and disinheriting the nation, so to speak, casting them out. Uh, and that's the confusion of the languages. Um, but at the meanwhile, we know this is the big setup for the nation through the one man, through the seed, uh, Abraham, that's going to happen where God is going to, uh, embody and, um, like localize his presence in a people, in a place, um, and that's all happening. But at the tower of Babel, they're disinherited, uh, their nations uh, are now formed. We have that tablet of the nations. You have this interesting connection with those nations being connected to um, giants or men of renown. <laughs> uh, Nineveh also is in that list. All, all very interesting stuff. Um, but in this cosmic rebellion, there's kind of maybe uh, some slight angles to different views, but uh, one is. God hands over the nations um, to the uh, fallen angels, right, is a view, or God hands them over uh, for his own emissaries, his own divine counsel, some representatives there to kind of administrate those nations. 
And somewhere along the way, um, they also took up the rebellion and desired to be like God, uh, and now uh, abused and uh, mistreated and accepted the worship and uh, and really mistreated the nations. And that's the third cosmic rebellion. And that seems to be what Paul's talking about. However they got there, they did get there. Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6, and Paul's talking about uh, in Ephesians 2, and how Jesus uh, is uh, actually reclaiming the nations uh, as the original Adam, as the true Israel, um, and as the Son of Man. And so you have that dynamic going on, um, and him being raised to the right hand of the throne of God over all these principalities and powers and rules and orders. Um, that seems to be a different kind of discussion than your normal demon discussion. And that's where it's rooted uh, in the Old Testament world and in the what appears to be the New Testament world and certainly in the traditional view that that's what's happening. So you have uh, that divine counsel that's gone rogue over the nations uh, and they continue uh, to resist. Uh, and that's why when Jesus even says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, go into the nations. Going to the nations has been a big deal. And when you bring in this third cosmic rebellion, it kind of like adds some, oh, some real color and depth to phraseologies and ideas of the nations that have been used in the Bible that you're like, oh, well, that, that's interesting. That makes that a little more colorful. So like even like in Jonah, when they were calling out, call out to your God. It was not like these are just like really weird people that believe in fairy tales. It was like call out to your God because everyone knows in the ancient world that you have some sort mm -hmm. of God, mm -hmm. right? And the God being the celestial beings that are abusive leaders and administrators uh, called the gods uh, over their nation. And there'd be multiple multiples of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's fascinating. Not to know. say, to interrupt you, not yeah. to say that um, these are equal with Yahweh, yeah. of course. Correct. That's, that's obvious, but just to be extremely clear there, not to say that, you know, we're saying, you're saying, there are these creatures yeah, they were created. There are these creatures, uh, but not on the same level. Not uh, Yahweh. Not eternal God. Not Creator God. Yeah, not Elohim singular, but Elohim plural. Right. So there's th these celestial beings that are created that are uh, in rebellion and disloyal to God. Uh, they were called the gods, uh, lowercase mm -hmm. G. Right. And then all the ancient civilizations refer to this. Um, and obviously the biblical world is that too. You got, you know, in Canaan and Baal, all the nations had their gods. Um, and rather than thinking more superstitiously, uh, as a modern person would think of what's happening there. And I think that's, what's part of the issue is that we read, um, our Bible in light of an over-reliance upon science and and uh, the natural world mm -hmm. and technology and not understanding this unseen world that's going on. But when you begin to put on the unseen world, that makes 
Oh, mm-hmm. that just adds another layer. Yeah. Yeah. The There are celestial beings, the Prince of Persia, that um, are rulers and principalities over the nations mm-hmm. that Jesus overthrew. And so when Satan legit tempts Jesus and says, hey, I can give you the nations, that was a legit mm-hmm. transaction. That was a legit offer. That's not like, well, you can't give what you don't own. Mm-hmm. No, they... He, they did have the nations um, rightfully, legally mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, now they don't have it legally and then uh, functionally, dynamically, uh, the gospel's winning. The kingdom of God is winning, mm-hmm. breaking into all the nations. So crazy, wild stuff. Okay, so let's um, move into how yeah. this is helpful. Is that good? Transition? Yeah, no, that is a good one. How this is helpful, and I think we can, I think we can easily uh, kind of stay on this point of of this stuff making sense of things, um, which I want you to talk about a little bit because you said something last week that I think was maybe I've never heard it put like this or said, uh, but even saying it like this that you know, um, I, I think that for whatever reason. Uh, whether it was kind of naturalism hitting the scene, whatever, we are kind of products of your generation, my yeah. generation, probably my grandparents, your parents, whatever. Um, we're the product of thinking that really all there is is what meets the eye. And um, and stories of angels and demons and invisible and invisible God and this and it, that's really nothing but fairy tale because what's real is what we can test in a lab, whatever. <laughs> right. Of course, right. all these same people believe in right. evolution over billions of years that can't be tested in a right. lab or proved, right. whatever. Right? There's all sorts right. of hypocrisy here. Uh-huh. Um, but but even even us in the church, you know, I think that we read the Bible and we see invisible, wild, magical things happening. But then when we get rumors of those things potentially happening actually today, it's easy for us to just go, well, that, you know, that of course can be explained yeah. somehow. Right. And last week, um, you made the uh, comment, I think on or off recording about, you know, perhaps someone's like, I'm hearing voices. Right. And the natural way as a culture, we respond even in the church as we go, well, you're crazy. <laughs> right. But right. really what the Bible teaches us is about the invisible world and about angels and about demons is um, honestly to to assume the opposite, yeah. to assume, uh, sure, a person who says I'm hearing voices could be, they need help. Yeah, could be. Sure, medicine could, um, could fix help. that right up. Right. But the Bible would also say, but you should also potentially assume, if anything, that they are hearing voices and it ain't coming from them. Yeah. Because there is a whole nother world out there that you don't see that is mixing and intermingling with ours and we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And so my point there is to say that to understand these things and how is it helpful as a Christian um, in this world is it makes sense of things. Yeah. And especially now as our culture is opening back up to the wild and the mysterious and you know we get these classified documents from these pilots who are like i saw something that was defying physics yeah and we have a video of it and what is that are you know perhaps perhaps that's the other world and and it's not a drone from china 
right. you know, um, or, or whatever. Perhaps it's the other world that that is breaking in, and um, and maybe this all helps make sense of some of the mysterious stuff. It gives you another layer of reality, and it gives you just a, a sense of sanity too. Mm-hmm. People will think that no, it makes it more insane. No, what makes it more insane is not knowing. Mm-hmm. And what makes it more right. insane is not being able to have an honest and, oh, discussion with somebody. Like, let's take that. Someone's hearing voices. Let's say it's not chemical-induced. It's not something broken in their brain that's mm-hmm. producing these hallucinations or these voices. But let's just say it's legit because we know it's legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the major issues in mental health is unwanted intrusive thoughts. Um, unwanted, unintrusive, right? Now that certainly can be coming from the person and it certainly can be coming from a brokenness in the body and in the brain. I'm not saying not. But there also could be, because it's legit, accusations and lies coming from the unseen world. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle it? Well, you might need to get the broken body, broken brain taken care of, or you just might need to say, oh yeah, that exactly, of course that would happen. And you're okay, mm-hmm. right? Resist him, as Peter says, firm in your faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, shield of faith, gospel realities, put on the helmet of salvation. No, uh, think about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, put on the armor of the gospel. And also just some real sanity. It's like, what, almost like have some humor. Like mm-hmm. Luther, if Luther is here, he he thought that one of the major ways other than the gospel, and he thought that, that it was actually an implication and part of the gospel is that the gospel should make you humorous. It should make you light and not take yourself mm-hmm. so seriously. And to be able to say like, of course they would, of course that's what that is, mm-hmm. and move on and laugh and move on mm-hmm. as opposed to now fixating on something you can't control and create some real problems for yourself. So yes, I think that is huge. Like... You might, this might be going a little too far for some of you, but I have these conversations like with my kids when they get really, really scared and they're like, they get scared of like, well, I remember when they were little and then even now like of, you know, did things, noises and sounds. And so what do I do? I tell them, oh, it's not. I mean, what do we usually do? Oh, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing to be scared of. Don't be scared. There's, it's just sounds and bumps and night. And that could be true. Or you just say, yeah, of course they could mess with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know you know there's an unseen world mm-hmm. and maybe they mess with you. Mm-hmm. You're okay. You're absolutely okay. And that actually helps them more than the other side of trying to pretend that you don't live in a haunted house or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I think the major thing though, the boots on the ground is in the area of the role that we're told that, that um, the the fallen disloyal angels do is the accusations mm-hmm. and the condemnation and the lies, um, and in Revelation, uh, you know, the false prophet is always about the lies. You have this counterfeit trinity of the dragon, the beast, and the prophet. Um, I think that's the dynamic. The dynamic mm-hmm. of a prophet is is the lies, Mm -hmm. speaking lies about God, yourself, the world. Um, And we're in an ideological uh, chaos right now, an ideological shift uh, one way or the other. Who knows what the culture ends up doing? But that's the realm 
You know, if you if you're in an environment, a culture, relationships, ideologies that are all about accusation, condemnation, um, a decreating force, nothing edifying and building up and good and beautiful and true, you know you're in that realm. You know you're in the the playground of the evil one and those principalities. Um, and so I, I think, practically speaking, for the Christian personally, that um, that sense of accusation, that that sense of condemnation, and never like coming out of it with clear, intelligent conviction of sin and repentance. You can know God never. God is not an abusive father. He's the perfect father, and and when when He convicts us, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it's actually a it's a it's a relief and a rejoicing. There's joy and freedom mixed in confession. It's it's never this oppressive beat you down. That's what an abusive parent does, right? An abusive parent beats you down. Uh, there's nothing freeing and joy life giving about it. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I think is really really helpful to know that if you're the Puritans used to call it being under accusation, like being under it, being in a, a fog of it. Uh, a lot of depression, I think, that people experience. Uh, Dr. Jones wrote about it in Spiritual Depression. He called it Spiritual Depression. Again, there can be chemical, bodily, broken brain kind of components to this, sure. but it also can be you're just being accused. Mm-hmm. And not knowing that that's happening, not knowing that those are flaming arrows coming at you, um, and then kind of looking inside yourself to fix it, or looking, uh, not recognizing the source, mm-hmm. um, but recognizing the source, knowing you have an unseen enemy, and he's an adversary, and he hates you, and he's a roaring lion, he's seeking to devour you, and one of the ways he does it is to accuse and condemn you. Mm-hmm. I think that so two things are I want to circle back to to that these kind of the the um, word uh, aspect of what demons do, but I think two comments that maybe that I thought when you were thinking was number one none of this is meant to imply that there should be this unhealthy focus on or obsession with. Um, certain invisible things correct right like the none of this is to say that now you and I don't do this right. and we certainly don't teach this. Um, none of this is to say you should walk around and try to identify <laughs> right. what maybe is the devil and what maybe is an angel and yeah. what's the work, you know, yada, yeah. yada, you what know, their names like, are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, territory. You don't see that in the Bible at no. all. You see unmistakably this invisible world that is active um, and that breaks in and you see angels show up and you see demons that work all this stuff, but you don't see any kind of teaching on, and you should really try to be putting your finger on exactly what's going on. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when, when we talk about or confront them or confront them or something yeah. like that, when we talk about like videos of like this UFO and, and people are like, what is that? It's like where I stand is I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It could be a drone from China that somehow they've, develop technology and then but at the same time if you're saying it defies physics and like this is impossible then like i don't know maybe it's like a something from the invisible world and why yeah. did it show up and what i i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know that's about it i i've got to go make lunch for my kids yeah. you know 
Um, so none of this is to say that there should be this unhealthy, unbiblical focus on or need to try to exactly identify what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's simply to say we live in a wild reality. Mm-hmm. There is so much more that to our existence and reality that meets the eye. Just think about yourself. Like, are we more than a body? Yes, we are so much more than a physical <laughs> body. Like, we know that about ourselves, yeah. right? Um, okay, number two, to circle back to the whole uh, what do demons do and the whole word and accusations. Hmm. I think this is it's helpful for me because I think a big question for people is ultimately, what are demons doing and what are they trying to do? And that could probably even get real specific. And we'll try to wrap this podcast up in five minutes. Uh to like, oh, you know, demon possession, you know, that like, is that still happening? Think about Satan and his, the, his beginning work in the beginning was to accuse God of being a liar and to ultimately lie about God. There's great irony there. Yeah, God is lying to you, Adam and Eve, and really you're the liar. Yeah. And he's this accuser of God. <laughs> the Bible right. says he's, acu- he's an accuser of the church. His whole ministry demonic ministry is built on lying. And so um, Jesus would confront the religious leaders who hated him and wanted to kill him and say, God's not your father, Satan's your father. And and why is that? Not because they uh, were out, you know, getting drunk at the strip club on the weekends. No, they were just lying. They were lying about Jesus. They were lying about God. They were lying Mm. about these things. Um, That is the work. So, Okay, so what does that mean for you in terms of being on guard when the Bible talks about being on guard and standing firm? Again and again and again, it's saying stand firm in the word of truth. Um, they are, the, our adversary is prowling around tactically and strategically lying about God, lying about the gospel, lying about God's grace for your sin, lying about God's love for you, even though you're a sinner. Yeah perhaps trying to convince you you're not a sinner and you don't need grace yeah. or better yet, you're such a big sinner. There's no way grace could yeah. cover you. Yeah. I mean, even as I say that, it's like, I would imagine all of us are like, Oh yeah, I've felt that. Yeah. I've, I have sensed that I have worried that maybe that's true, mm-hmm. that maybe grace isn't big enough for me. Yep. Um, or perhaps we can look back at our own life and go, I remember a time when I didn't think I needed Jesus these are tactical lies. Mm-hmm. They're strategic lies that uh, y- you know that 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 our enemy and that Satan wants to weave into our cultural thinking. Uh, perhaps you're too far gone for Jesus, or um, or you're too good for Jesus. Yeah. Rather than what's the truth of the gospel that we stand yeah. firm in, we stand firm in. I am a bigger sinner than I would dare to imagine. I think it's like a Keller paraphrase or Keller yeah. quote or someone. Uh, I'm a bigger sinner than I imagine, but Jesus is a much bigger savior. Grace is much bigger. And I get that from the word and I stand firm in that shield up against the, the accusations of the devil flying at me, helmet of salvation, fighting back with the word of truth. Um, preaching that to myself, yeah. uh, hearing it uh, f- at my church, hearing it from my friends, driving it deeper into my heart as I receive the Lord's Supper. You know, as I watch a baptism, these means of grace, um, boom, and day after day, I stand firm in that, stand firm in that. Mm-hmm. And you're not going, I'm actively fighting against four demons right now. Yeah. No, but I am actively fighting against their work in this present darkness yeah. that I live in right yeah. now, right? I live in a fallen world that's not been glorified yet. So uh, anyway, good. two things that we're not saying overly focused, try to put your finger on exactly what's going on. Right. Um, 
Because that more more often than not, listen, if I was trying to take you down, I want to do it without you even noticing I'm around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like silent. I, yeah. So I don't I don't want you to know I'm here. Yeah. And I think that that's their work. I think it's so tactical and so. Again, you look at the snake in the garden. We would think he would just say, "Oh, there's no God." Yeah. That would have been his biggest downfall. Yeah. Adam and Eve, there's no such thing as God. And they'd be like, you're insane. We just took a walk with him (laughs) this afternoon. Yeah. No, no, no. He said, no, no, he, he's lying to you. Yeah. And I go, Ooh, really? You know? Yeah. And they didn't stand. All they had to do was stand on the word. All they had to do stand on the truth. They didn't. They said, all right, maybe he's lying to us. Maybe you're telling the truth. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's helpful to know what they're trying to do, how to stand firm. That seems more um, more real and practical personally, relationally, and even culturally right now. Mm-hmm. This whole battleground over what's real, what's true, what's good, what's beautiful, what is love, um, what is what is creation, what's not. Uh, yes, and that it would seem that a lion, if he was to kind of devour you, uh, would be to pick at those things mm-hmm. and pick at you know lions if you do watch those shows which i love i watched planet earth all those shows are great but you notice that they they don't exert a lot of energy when they hunt they just mm-hmm. quickly run into a pack find the weak find the disabled nail them mm-hmm. easy lunch right and i think one of the ways that uh that this lion devours us is just lies about who god is and lies about mm-hmm. ourselves and uh, and it just wears you down, mm-hmm. especially when they, they kind of sink, mm-hmm. when they kind of penetrate into our heart and our belief system. I think one of the major ways is in the church is, is a justification uh, by works uh, or a sanctification uh, by works where you just, again, the eye is off who Jesus is and what he's done, and it's just a slight, yeah, look at Jesus, but also look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and that never, that just, it weakens you. Uh, you're not able uh, to stand firm because that's not a firm standing place. You can't deal with your sanctification and deal with your sin and deal with everything that happens in life like that mm-hmm. in this cooperative thing that's going on. So yeah, this is very, very practical, really good. I think that the exhortation to stand firm in your faith, stand firm in the gospel is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. That there's only who Jesus is and what he's done, that that's the only safe place. It's the only strong place. It's the only helmet. It's the only sword. It's the only shield. It's the only cleats that make you stand your and hold your ground. Uh, that, more than anything, um, is important to understand. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's wrap this up. Um, we may, we will still, we'll, we'll hit angels next week. We'll start to hit angels next week. I'm sure demons and that invisible world will still kind of pop up, especially as we talk about, um, you know, when people say, Hey, an angel came to me and gave me this new religion or this angel came to me to send me off on this good Mm -hmm. work. And sometimes that angel sends you off to do the, to the quote unquote good work of murdering people. We'll talk about that. Um, so this whole reality of demons, uh, being fallen angels will still kind of keep popping up as we talk about angels. But, uh, but yeah, next week we're going to switch to the good team. 
the 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 light team, the light you know, team. Yeah. Um, and and talk about God and His squadron and His warriors that are also at work and uh, ultimately are on the winning side of and things. And maybe like a we might even share a personal story or two about that happening. Your squad, an experience That's with right. the squad. That's right. Could happen, maybe, or maybe we won't. That's right. You'll just have to do it. All right. Until next week. Peace.